Last week, Craig talked about, you shall call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. It's one of the reasons he came. So if I were to ask you this question, and we could open it up and say, what is the reason that the Son of God came? There could be a lot of answers to that. Uh, he came to give us eternal life. He came as a child. He came to teach. He came to be an example, um, provide eternal life. But what did you pick up out of what Kathy read? And this is the verse I want us to focus on this morning in verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That is beautiful, and that is powerful. You say, well, how does that fit with Christmas? Because we celebrate his advent, his coming. He has come. Why did he come? And he came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, a little bit of context with the text. The, that verse sits in a section that she began to read talking about how, how beautiful is the love of God, how we have been loved by God. I go back to the very be, uh, the end of chapter 2. Uh, he says, little children, um, abide in him that when he appears will not be ashamed before him at his coming. And in chapter 3, see what great love the Father has given us that we should be God called God's children. And there's a beautiful section here about God's children. How do God's children act? God is righteous. God's children act righteously. Not 100% of the time, and this is the point of this text. We're not perfect. But God's children act like their father. The devil's children act like the devil. And he is saying there should be a distinction in, in our lives if we are God's children. We do lapse into sin and loathe it, while the devil's children will leap into sin and love it. <laughs> we still have that vulnerability, and that's what 1 John really covers. And so he's talking about this sin should not be the, the character of our lives. Righteousness should be, and love should be. Everything that is beautiful about God should be reflected in his children. It's like when you see kids walk. I see little boys walk after their dads. They get the same. They walk the same way. So we walk the same way. And this is really the point that he is making here, that for, as children of God, we should be unique and not keep on sinning the way we did before Christ. And so that's, that's the context of, of it. And then he makes this point, to me, a foundational truth when he, when he says that, that Christ came, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, the sinfulness that is there. This is one of the reasons that Christ came. We could say, one, he came this time of year to offer to us the gift of eternal life. That's wonderful, isn't it? Jesus came to offer to us the gift of eternal life, and he came to destroy the works of the devil. And they, they go together. What happens if he gives us eternal life but does nothing about 
what is really destroying us is the works of the devil. So the Gospel of Matthew speaks about this name Jesus offering to us eternal life, and yet he also has appeared to take away sin. Verse 5 says he appeared to take away sin, and then in verse 8 he appeared to destroy the works of the devil. I don't know if you saw on the news this past week a story that happened in one of the suburbs of L.A., Woodland Hills, where a man drove up in his smaller SUV to the house and uh, got out of the car, went to the back seat, unstrapped his two-year-old girl, set her down, and walked around to get some things out of the car. And all of a sudden, he heard his daughter screaming. He goes around the back of the car and sees a coyote dragging her down the sidewalk. Now, I mean, this is in a suburb of L.A. (laughs) And so what do you think the father is going to do? I mean, it's like he immediately jumps in and drives off that coyote, picks up that child, that little girl screaming. She had been bitten in the leg and scratches all over, just horrified. Mother comes running out. He hands off the the daughter and just takes a two-by-four and goes after the coyote. Now, to me, that's a little bit about what we're talking about here. When you love something, you're going to hate whatever could harm it, whatever could destroy it. Whatever God loves, he will equally hate anything that could do damage. So when God loves you as his child, he loves us as his children, he is going to hate anything that could do damage to us. And this is really a con- the context of this verse. So so it is our, with our salvation, the Son of God has appeared to offer us eternal life, but also he has come to destroy the works of the devil. And this is what I'd like to just unpack this verse today by asking uh, a few questions. One, who is the devil? Two, what are the works of the devil? Three, what are the works of, how are the works of the devil destroyed? And then finally, why should this matter to you? Or to me. Who is the devil? Well, what comes to mind, I think back to when I was in high school years ago, and Flip Wilson, you remember the comedian, he said, you know, the devil made me do it. <laughs> the devil may be for some people a horns, a ponytail, a red suit, and a pitchfork, and uh, someone we always want to blame <laughs> for what went wrong in our lives. Um, he represents evil, the dark side. All that is bad in life. The devil is like the champion of things that are wrong and bad. He has a name. He is called the devil, but he has several other names. And we see these all throughout scripture. Satan, Lucifer, the bearer of light, son of the morning, day star, tempter, Beelzebub, the evil one, the liar, the father of lies, murderer, ruler of the world. God of this age, prince of the power of the air, an angel of light, Belial, adversary, roaring lion, Apollyon and Abaddon, the dragon, the old serpent, the deceiver of the world, and the accuser of God's people. So he has a lot of names speaking about one person. So where did he come from? 
we, we first read about him in Genesis chapter 3. Everything in chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis is going great. You get to chapter 3, and you're going to be introduced to Satan, the serpent. And, and yet this, where did he come from? How did, how did Satan get on earth? We have two texts. I'm not going to read these for sake of time today, but if you want to jot these down, Isaiah 14, 12 to 14, and Ezekiel 28, 13 to 17, tell you how Satan got to where he is. It talks about the, him falling from heaven, cut down to the ground. It talks about in the abundance of his pride and his violence. Um, it says, I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God to destroy you. So we're warned as we read about Satan that he is like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is the one who wants to devour. He's real. He's the chief of fallen angels who leads all other fallen angels and demons in rebellion against God and is intent on destroying everything good and everything that God loves. That would include you. He is out to destroy not just good and God's plan, but he is out to destroy you. Okay, so how does God feel about that? You who he loves... He is going to be like that dad going after that coyote. He really had nothing against the coyote except the fact that it, that it was attacking something he loved. And that's what escalated everything. We also know his end. He will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20, read all through the end of Revelation, you see the devil's end. All the devils, the Demons and, and the fallen angels in Revelation 20. Satan is powerful. He is more powerful than you. He is more powerful than me. He is more powerful than all of us put together. So there should be a healthy recognition of that, but not a fear like the world fears. Because God is more powerful, Christ is more powerful, the Holy Spirit is more powerful, and his word is more powerful. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, and that is, that is Satan. So this is, this is who he is. He was at one time uh, created by God, uh, an angel, one of the chief angels in heaven, but he rose up in his pride and rebellion, and God cast him down and the fallen angels uh, onto the earth. And so that's, that's how this came about. And then we'll pick it up in chapter 3 later on with Adam and Eve. So um, this is who he is. Secondly, what are the works of the devil? What, is, what does he do? Uh, when it talks about that, that the Son of God will destroy the works of the devil, basically we could say it's sin. The work is sin. The result is death. We talk about that often, how those are two things that you and I struggle with all the time. We live in a culture and in a world where sin and death have not been defeated, cannot be defeated except through Christ. His works. And, let, and I just kind of went through like a, through scripture, what I just, 
saw. Pride, arrogance, these are his works. Rebellion, temptation, deception, confusion, conflict, anger, wrath, bitterness, hatred, malice, revenge, division, betrayal, false teaching, lawlessness, fear, doubt, hopelessness, wickedness, lust, conflict, disease, grief, sorrow, sickness, suffering, pain, destruction. That's all, all of his works. Anything and everything that you can think of that is bad, that is not good, that is, that is against God, would be what he does. He does nothing good. But he, is, he appears as one of his names was as an angel of light. So he, in temptation, will make it appear like, oh, that's what I want. It's like the Venus flytrap sucking you in and its beauty and then destroying you. These are his works. And in the New Testament, John, Gospel of John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders who are boasting about our father is Abraham. So they're boasting in their pedigree, um, their heritage. And he, here's what he says to them. He says, you are of your father, the devil. <laughs> and your, your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. <laughs> 